Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Aesthetic Insider News Radio. This is your host, Angela O'Mara. Today we're going to speak about something that is super important in the aesthetic practice, both to physicians and to patients alike, and that is the whole patient privacy aspects of managing patients, whether it's online, whether it's in the practice, on smartphones. Um, Physicians have to comply with HIPAA, and HIPAA is something that some of us are doing correctly, many of us are not. Today I have um, San Francisco-based plastic surgeon, Dr. Scott Mosser, on the phone with me today. Dr. Mosser, thank you for being a guest on Aesthetic Insider Radio, and welcome to the show. Angela, thank you very much. It's great to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Dr. Mosser, can you, you know, before we get into the whole privacy thing, I'd love for our listeners to learn more about you. Um, you are based, you know, in the Bay Area, San Francisco, but, you know, please, you know, do give us some background on you. Okay, will do. So I am a board-certified plastic surgeon, and I'm in the city of San Francisco, both live and work there, fortunately. And um, I have been out of training, gosh, it's going to make me feel old, about a decade now, and um, (laughs) I have, (laughs) I don't know if that makes me feel old or just, or be old, (laughs) I don't know. Um, So I've, you know, I'm pretty seasoned, and I've seen a lot of changes happen both in the, you know, really the the epicenter, no pun intended, of the the internet and, and technological advancement, but then also what's going on with healthcare, and um, uh, my practice has actually just uh, uh, moved into a, a brand new large office space that we're trying to incorporate as much technology as possible. So I've kind of had my eye on these sorts of issues in a very dedicated way, and uh, throughout my practice, but really in the last year or so. You know, maybe let's even just start with, um, and congratulations, by the way, on the the move to the new practice. I can't wait to um, see pictures of how that turns out. But, yeah, let's start with, you know, like you said, the changes in the healthcare and um, and the continued and growing use of the Internet in terms of patients. Fantastic. Well, I think we have to think a little bit about, you know, the Internet as a whole and then um, how things are unique in the world of healthcare, uh, because there can be a real temptation to not draw a line between the two, because we get so comfortable with our social media, we get so comfortable with our text messaging and have, having everybody in the world really at our fingertips, um, that we should know a little bit about the different set of rules that are present for doctors that we have to work under and the good reasons for those rules being in place. Um, so, you know, everybody knows they've got a smartphone and they have text messaging capabilities and there is um, a, a real sense of, of being moment-to-moment connected with, with anyone in your life. And healthcare has certainly taken notice of that and has wanted to be as accessible as, as, accessible as it possibly can. Um, but there are some limitations in what we're able to reiterate. Uh, and, and the reason for that is nobody wants their health information to ever end up being inadvertently leaked to a third party, both because of normal uh, desire for privacy, but then also we don't know what the future is going to hold with regards to health insurance and whether or not there's going to be limitations on pre-existing conditions. And everybody just knows in the back of our heads, our health care, our health information should be private. It should be kept separate and out of the public domain. And fortunately, there are laws that are in place that, uh, that that very specifically direct that information flow based on that important value system. You know, that's interesting that you do say that there are actual rules. Um, are they are they real rules? Are they just like rule of thumb? You know, for physicians who are using the internet, um, 
to to stay HIPAA compliant? What are those rules? Absolutely. The we use the word HIPAA, and it's spelled H-I-P-A-A, and it's got, of course, a longer version of it, which is the uh, Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. But and it's not just for doctors; it's for any entity that has any health information. So this is hospitals, this is insurance companies, and it, it's literally an act of Congress. So it was passed by Congress quite a while ago in 1996. It's just becoming more relevant now because health insurance, pardon me, health information is being broadcast more widely and more rapidly and in smaller little packets of information. What I mean by that is uh, if, if somebody were to, for example, submit information online whereby their name and even an area of medical interest was, was uh, attached to that name. Let's say somebody named Jane Smith submits her name and then also submits, I'm interested in a breast augmentation. Just that little bit of information is already protected, protected health information. And so uh, there, there is a big act of Congress that manages the, the rule set for large bits of information, but it also is applied to even all these tiny little bits of communications that are out there. And so that's really where there's a bit of a wake-up call if you start to understand this system. It, it, we can't be using text messaging systems for, you know, doctor to patient, the, and I mean the regular old text message like your Apple iPhone instant messenger. Yes. Um, you, you can't be using that to communicate with patients and stay compliant uh, because theoretically any third-party individual that could be sort of listening in on that information stream could be collecting patient information without, without having permission. Um, and, um, and actually doctors under the HIPAA law need to have a specific written agreement with every entity that might have their patient information passing through their claws. So if, if you had uh, an email, if, you know, obviously email is not HIPAA compliant, but in order for it to be HIPAA compliant, you would have to have an agreement with your Internet service provider and your mail service provider and Microsoft Outlook that is, uh, you know, would, would be supposedly securing your mail. Now, mm -hmm. that's not a great example because none of that stuff claims that it's secure. Everyone knows that email can be can be um, hijacked or, or listened into. But for anything that claims that it's secure and is managing patient information, a doctor's practice actually has to have an agreement with all of these different companies. And that's where it becomes more difficult. You don't know as a physician what is going to be done with all these different packets of data unless basically you're dealing with just one entity or as few entities as possible. And it, unless you're, you're sharing that information out among the, the fewest entities that you possibly can. And so healthcare individuals are really looking not to have, uh, you know, like the iPhone-based solution. I keep hammering the iPhone, but I think it's just because it's something that people can relate to. Healthcare, healthcare in, uh, in, individuals and entities are realizing you're not going to solve this problem in a piecemeal fashion with email and text messaging and and any of the other elements of social media or Twitter hashtags, that's not, those are all not going to work. You're going to have to look for a provider of a, a guardian of that information that is accessible to the patient, that's easy to understand, and that can make good on their promise to keep all of this stuff secret for everybody. Hmm. That's, yeah, that, it is really fascinating because even if you were to say, well, you know, we're going to have a back to the iPhone, you know, a dedicated iPhone just for, you know, patient texting, for instance, 
that phone is still supported, whether it's you know AT&T, a Verizon, a T-Mobile, or whoever, who I guess would be that third party. Um, yep, so, you're exactly so yeah, right. That, that makes absolute sense, and I, and I think that is something that many physicians would not consider that they were, they were violating anything, but truly they are. Right. That's exactly right. right. There's okay. so many levels upon which things fall through the cracks naturally because our normal Internet communication system isn't set up to be hyper-secure, and nobody really expects it to be. Um, so the minute that a physician sort of feels like things are secure because somebody else isn't looking over their shoulder, looking at their phone, you know, that's where the, they start to go down that slippery slope towards really having none of their patients well protected. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Now, you know, I do know, uh, I understand, you know, um, Aesthetic Link is a portal, if you will, or a software solution for an aesthetic practice um, that is um, HIPAA compliant and has been endorsed by a variety of medical malpractice insurance companies. Um, that that's something is that something you're using in the practice, and how is that helping you? You know, kind of stay on top of this whole privacy issue. That's a great question. So I am using Aesthetic Link. I've been using Aesthetic Link for a couple of years now, and um, a few of the nice things about the modern tools that are out there. You know, in the old days, I just mean like seven years ago. By old days, in the old <laughs> days of uh, of practice tools that are in the op- that were in the office. You know, they were big, huge, clunky programs. They had to sit on your computer, and they had to be updated every three to four months. And uh, and you had to interface with a big support team if it wasn't communicating with your local system. And and with everything that we're seeing on the Internet, it's going to the cloud, which the benefit to the physician is that you get to see updates all the time, and they don't have to inter- they don't have to interrupt your relationship to your own internal technology because they're just happening on the company's computer. So the reason that's relevant is that over the last two years, we've just sort of seen this particular tool transform itself into something that is much, much bigger than where it started. So it began, for me, I I adopted it really because I, I needed to solve this one exact problem. I needed to have a way of communicating with my patients. A large number of my patients come in to see me from out of state or from beyond a reasonable driving radius within San Francisco, within the Northern California. And, you know, for plastic surgery, we need photographs. Um, you know, we need information submitted in a health information, uh, you know, broad-based health status uh, sent in to us before a consultation. Um, and as an aesthetic physician, I, I want to provide more accessibility to people that have heard about me from farther and farther away and want to see if they want, want to pursue the possibility of developing a relationship with this office. So, so I pursued this as a means of being able to reach beyond my city's borders, and it really delivered in that regard. So um, it is a secure system. Both it's, as you would imagine, it's a system whereby both ends, the patient and the physician, have to log on, uh, but then they're within this secure communication and they're able to either um, uh, submit photos, submit videos, uh, submit questions and answers on the patient side, <clears throat> or respond to this health information, uh, submit a consultation opinion, pardon me, <clears throat> and even provide price quotations and then hand that off to another staff individual on the physician side, all without, ha- without having to worry about doing this via email. In the early days of the Internet, I don't think we really understood how bad uh, uh, email security was, and we sort of felt like, well, if I put a two-line disclaimer at the end of my email, then that's going to be fine and I'll be compliant. 
Um, but, but really none of that stuff is compliant, and it's nice to just log into like this hermetically sealed space where you just know that the entire dialogue um, is the full dialogue between the doctor and the patient that doesn't have to be um, concerned with, with a privacy breach. In email, even if, you're, even if you're talking to a patient, and even if a patient has given you consent to, to, to communicate with them via email, you might in the back of your mind be editing your thoughts and your words because you just wouldn't want to. For example, if somebody had um, a terminal illness or if they had uh, an, infe- a, a, an issue with something that might have a social stigma, such as an HIV infection, you just would be cautious, even if you were noncompliant, about, about having a full and thorough communication with a patient. Once you enter into a secure portal, you're just able to be a doctor again. You're not editing yeah. your words. You're not tiptoeing around information. You're not, you're not stopping short of, uh, of giving the patient the full information, you know, and when necessary, the full truth about everything they need to know about something. So um, I think it's not just that we're being more compliant. I think that we're being the types of communicators that we're supposed to be when we're in these environments. Yeah, and I would imagine, too, on the, on the patient side that, they're far more comfortable knowing that they are in a safe room, if you will. You know, in yeah. they can be more open with you, with questions, with concerns, with you know whatever, whatever things that, like you said, perhaps they wouldn't be quite so open in a general email. I would think so, and you know these are sensitive. Obviously, being an aesthetic surgeon, these are sensitive issues. These are, you know, body parts that patients are insecure about and wish didn't look the way they did. And they may be sending us photos that would be certainly considered compromising if they were in the public sphere. So, so yeah, I, I almost think that it's a patient might not even engage in that sort of a discussion. And, and they shouldn't if they, if they didn't have anything but the highest level of confidence that 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 it was just a private discussion between patient and the healthcare team. Yeah, and you know what I think too is because I I do, you know I've I've kind of been in the on the media side for many years of the aesthetic industry, and you know I've heard quotes from you know various plastic surgeons that say you know a patient would rather admit to a drug or alcohol addiction than to having plastic surgery, and it seems <laughs> crazy that that we're so private about plastic surgery when we're not about you know other aspects of our life, but. Yeah. And, and that's why I do think with this particular aesthetic link feature, this is so important to the aesthetic provider because, again, plastic surgery, people really do want to keep it secret. Yeah, that's very, very true. And um, this this may be almost like the litmus test for for patients being able to adopt something as if they feel comfortable with cosmetic surgery sorts of, of, of privacy um, commitments then you know presumably even things that that have to do with other non-cosmetic aspects of their health pro- profile they'd be fine with it but i also think that patients need need to be able to interface with the technology and so there's an element that doesn't necessarily have to do with privacy which is it better be easy to use if a lot of patients are are not super advanced technologically uh, plastic surgery treats a, a broad base of of individuals and age ranges, and um, and so that's kind of another thought. It's that's a that's another element of this particular product that has been very nice to see. Is even people that hardly have 
experience using their Internet browser seem to do just fine with submitting this sort of information. Well, that's great to hear because, you know, I would imagine, like you said, I mean, uh, in cosmetic surgery, yes, there is a broad range of ages. Um, for many physicians, um, I think, you know, they do have a, a more mature patient, um, especially, you know, the facelifts and, and some of those types of procedures, which is, you know, generally a, a slightly older patient, um, mm-hmm. that, you know, perhaps are not as comfortable as an 18-year-old is <laughs> using a smartphone, yeah. you know, using... Um, so it's, it's really good to hear that it is and, you know, an easy-to-use system. Um, right. How do you communicate with your patients about about the aesthetic link applications? I mean, um, so, does, your staff, does your staff do that, or do you do that? They pretty much do that. I know a little bit about it. I'm probably not the the best person to tell you all the nuts and bolts in that. But there is a, there's a code that relates to um, every aesthetic link practice. And uh, so they would send the patient to a website, they'd enter the code, and then they would um, sort of be automatically from that point forward directly connected to my practice. Anything that they enter from that point on um, is is part of our secure transmission. And um, I think also that's pretty easy to put in an email link as well. I think most of these things have been going out as an email because a patient will give us some sort of an inquiry, uh, and then we will send them back the notification that this is how we do things and this is why we do things. But sometimes they're actually already in the system because on the front end, meaning on somebody's website, that's another thing a lot of doctors don't know. When you're actually acquiring even inquiries, and they're being sent through email to your office with the patient's contact information, even that is not HIPAA compliant. So uh, this product allows um, a button to be on the website that then takes them to a portal that from the very, very first moment of contacting an office, actually, it is, uh, it is secure. Um, so that's, that even doesn't require for them to really create a username and password. It just it just is an automatic sort of introduction to the secure communication channel. Hmm. Yeah, that's great because, like you said, even you know an inquiry of I'm interested in a breast augmentation through mm-hmm. a through a regular email address is already right. not protected. Exactly. Um, so. no, somebody and and websites gather that information and store them in databases and even. Sometimes you'll hear about how Google had searched a, a database and posted it on the Internet as web search results. And there's just a lot of weird things that can happen um, you know, when doctors who are not really technology forward all the time uh, you know, get involved in these, these corner-cutting solutions to the privacy issue. Yeah, and I, I think you know, we are now at, it's almost like we're at the critical mass point of understanding you know, nothing is private. <laughs> you know, outside of this type of, of a program, um, everything that you do, I mean, even on Facebook, you know, even how you have your your page on Facebook and, and you know, I mean, I see it all the time with me where I'm being suggested um, to connect with people that are people within my email base, but I may not have chosen mm-hmm. to connect with them. But Facebook or Google or any of these, they somehow have access to my personal email account, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. This this uh, big data, as it's called, which is like cross-referencing every little behavior, I mean, that's what everyone is justifiably afraid of. You know, these are the things that are unseen that we don't even know. What if somehow big data could figure out 
because you did a certain type of internet search, then you're probably the person related to this particular health information that was non-secured, and that could be sold to an insurance company that then could deny you without you even really knowing why or give you, an in, you give you a rate which was much higher than it otherwise would have been. I mean, these are the things that are terrifying, is that we don't know what we don't know. And so the only correct solution is really to be talking through secure channels. You can't wait to get bitten by the system because at that point it's too late. This information is permanent when it's in the public sphere. Yeah, yeah. And even, you know, I mean, all patients are equally as important as each other, but, you know, I do know for for many practices, um, many physicians do have, you know, whether it's high-profile, celebrity patients, um, yeah. you know, senators, you know, really people in the public yeah. eye. And, yep. and I think that is, you know... You know, like I don't imagine anyone's going to go looking for me online to see if I've had any cosmetic procedures, but they might want to look and see if a you know presidential candidate has, and yeah, that can be yeah. destroying. You know, yeah, that's a really really good point. Yeah, and you almost have to assume somebody is trying to find. It, I guess in this world, whether it's healthcare or not, you almost have to assume somebody is going to be trying to find your information, because uh, computers will only get more powerful at sort of uncovering the stuff that was either never secured or was kind of irresponsibly protected. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, so now, you know, tell me with Aesthetic Link, um, obviously you said you've been using it for some time, you were searching for this type of thing, and the, the HIPAA compliance and everything is, mm-hmm. is of utmost importance. Um, are there any other aspects of it that you feel fall into the same category of, of just the program itself and the, the, the other software options available? <laughs> Yeah, I well, I think we talked a little bit about it just not being this kind of big, well, none of these new programs being these big clunky things that are in your office that are just hard to manage and break down, and having it up in the cloud is just amazing. Uh, but another thing is that it, it's strange to think of it this way, but just having your information physically in a server in your office is potentially not that secure because computers have value and computers can physically walk out of offices after hours as they have. I think that I heard a, I heard a story of um, a very reputable surgeon. Uh, I'm not sure if it was a surgeon, very reputable physician who was in the, the city of San Francisco who had a theft in the office and one of the things stolen was their server. Um, and uh, they, they had their patient information taken. Now it's very likely that a, a thief wouldn't care about that information, but it doesn't matter. It walked out the door and um, to have to have everything not stored on site is actually a lot easier uh, psychologically for doctors than to know that basically everything is sitting in a very expensive, you know, little black box in a closet on site. So uh, to to know that that stuff is only really accessible through a, through a secure channel is is very very nice, and that's one of the the things that Aesthetic Link as a product, of course, offers because it's a, it's a um, cloud-based system. Um, so I think it's, it would be user interface, um, the fact that it really is secure and easy to use on both sides, um, and the fact that it's cloud-based are sort of the things that are, you know, clinchers for for being extremely useful to the modern modern practice. Yeah, no, that that is. I mean, that is such a like you said, it's a it's it's a false security, isn't it? That you think, oh well, you know, I've got it right there in that little black box hidden in that closet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Right, but, right. Yeah, and then somebody has a key to the closet, and who knows what happens, but then it's gone. And, 
Yeah, that's, there's so many different ways this information thing can go down. Um, um, so that's that's what's pushing us in this direction. And I, I'll bet most doctors really wouldn't want to have command control of all of the different technology that that they would need to keep something secure in their office. It's kind of nice to outsource uh, outsource the expertise to the expertise. You know, I'll I'll be very very good at plastic surgery and I'll do the very best job I humanly can on that. But I don't think I'm going to be a great information systems guy, ultimately. So it's nice to just let somebody else do their job in that regard. Yeah, wow, wow. Well, you know, is there anything, you know, we've got a few minutes left here on the show. Um, Is there anything that you think we haven't covered or that, you know, perhaps physicians, you know, again, as it relates to the whole privacy issue, are there any other things that physicians should be aware of, watching for? Um, Any last-minute Yeah. Um, well, I think uh, with regards to the privacy issue, we've actually done a, a pretty good job of covering this. I think that it's that a lot of the key take-home messages that neither patients nor doctors really realize how, how much of a big deal this is and how kind of far behind they're falling by not really doing anything about it. Um, even if you were to look at these gigantic fines that are occasionally being levied on private practices of like one hundred to three hundred thousand dollars for for breaches, I mean that's fairly compelling. But just doing the right thing is very compelling um, in this day and age. So I think that's a real take-home lesson. I also think it's going to be fun to to watch beyond health information, well beyond privacy, how these companies um, parlay the doctor-patient relationship into something which is super efficient and starts to manage our practice a little better and starts to allow us actually to become more human uh, because things are so complex and, uh, you know, in a billing way, in a practice management way, in an inventory management way that all those little data points take a doctor's bandwidth away from just being a really, really good, really connected uh, physician for their patients. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the um, health protection, health information protection. I'm really excited about technology, but I'm also almost more excited about this tipping point that we're getting close to where technology is actually going to make life way easier, not way harder. And then we're just going to be able to sit with our patients again and just be us and let them be them, and we're not going to be overwhelmed by all this other stuff going on. And I see promise of that in the Aesthetic Link product, and I see uh, you know, promise of that in some of the other um, just movements that are out there when we're, where we're using technology to, um, to adapt our relationships to technology. But I'm excited about that. I do think that ultimately technology is going to make us better doctors, and we've had to go through some growing pains to get as far as we have. But I think we're now going to be going in the other direction. The pendulum will swing back to being connected as humans. I think that's where we're going. Oh, that's fantastic. That's that's so uh, relieving to hear that. Dr. Mossy, you know, I know there are many people who would like to be able to connect with you. And so for our listeners out there, you know, patients and physicians alike, um, please let me know, you know, how can people get in touch with you? Is there a website? Is there a telephone number um, that they can call? Absolutely. I'll, I'll give you both. Both are easy. So the website is uh, com, spelled D-R-M-O-S-S-E-R.com. And the phone number is 415-398-7778. So that's in San Francisco. Great. Well, Dr. Mosser, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'd love to have you back on again in the future, perhaps, as we see things changing and growing and becoming even more um, effective at increasing this patient-physician relationship with technology. Thank you. 
Awesome, Angela. I'd be thrilled to come back on anytime. Just let me know. Okay, sounds great. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye.